Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. What is the other mitzvah we heard directly from God himself? The second of the Ten, of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit idolatry, not to worship idols. Why is this the only prohibition we heard from God? Because again, this is the theme of all 365 don'ts, negatives, prohibitions. Because when we do a sin, when we transgress God's willpower, that is the worst form of idolatry. In a sense, it's even worse than the, than the idol itself. Because the idol itself doesn't necessarily proclaim that there is no God. The idol proclaims that God is the God of all gods. But I'm also a God. God is the supreme and the almighty and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, omniscient and omnipotent. But I am also a God. I'm a miniature God. God is the great God and I'm a miniature God. They don't deny the existence or the reality or even the power of God. They know that nothing happens in this world without, without God. You don't lift a pinky without God. How much more so when we disobey God, when we actually transgress His wish, when He asked us explicitly and clearly in the Torah, He revealed to us His will, and He says, I wish, don't do this. And we go ahead and disobey God. In a certain sense, that's the worst form of idolatry. It's almost like a total denial of God. Not only are we denying that there is no other reality but God, and we consider ourselves as an independent being, but more so, we deny that, that God is the omnipotent and the omniscient and God is the all-powerful because God says, and I, <laughs> yeah, He wants, and I will go ahead and, and do as I please anyway. We deny that God is even, even, even the, the ultimate power and force, and life force in the universe. When a person senses himself, that's idolatry. But a worse form of idolatry is when you actually disobey God. Even Bilam, the vicious, evil Bilam, said, I can't disobey God. Every time we transgress a sin, a prohibition, whether, whether it's biblical or rabbinic, it makes no difference. When we deny the will of God, it is the worst form of idolatry. Really, we're transgressing one single sin. The sin of idolatry. And the worst form of idolatry. And it doesn't matter if it's a major prohibition or if it's a minor prohibition. What difference does it make? The bottom line is, this is what God wants. So if there's no other reality but God, my whole being is from God, my whole existence is from God, my whole, my whole life and vitality, everything I have is from God. There's nothing other than God. How can I turn around and deny God? And cold-bloodedly just his, ignore his wish. And his wish means nothing to me. God wants so. And Every letter in the Torah, every word in the Torah, every mitzvah in the Torah, whether it's biblical, rabbinic, major, minor, makes no difference. This is the will of Hashem. This is the will of God. It's unbudgeable. It's unmovable. This is, this is reality. There is no other reality. It's almost human, yeah, it's just human nature to uh, think that thou shalt not kill is a more important mitzvah than not wearing linen and wool together. I mean, where is it? Uh, all right, so... Yes. Says, you know, but yes. Killing, killing, stealing, robbing, you know. And that's why, that's why the, he quotes the Talmud. The Talmud says, 
the, the verse uses the expression, which means a woman turns off the righteous path and she goes ahead and commits adultery. But the, the, the expression in the Torah is, which comes from the word the Talmud says, shtus means it's insanity. And this distinction is also insane. Because if you think about it, if you truly think about it, it's an insane distinction. What difference does it make? It's like, it's like saying the body is going to listen to the soul only when it comes to a major thing. But when it comes to a minor thing, I want to move my pinky, no, the pinky is going to fight back. I don't want to move the pinky. What difference does it make? Either you're healthy, you're alive, you're connected, or you're not. It, it, it's not a detail, it's not an aspect. It doesn't matter, major or minor. If you understand the core, the essence of what life is all about, whether we're conscious of it or not, the reality is the reality is that God is in total charge and, and in, is in total control. The reality is that there is no other reality but God, our whole being. The very fiber of our being is nothing other than godliness because it's the divine energy that's constantly creating us as we speak at this very moment. It's the divine energy that's constantly recreating the entire universe, recreating us, recreating the table. So our very substance is nothing other than godliness. So to make that distinction, that alone... It's really an act of insanity. We plead insanity. <laughs> That's our defense. That's what you're saying. Yes, we plead insanity. When was the last time a person told you, my heart is healthy, it's all that matters. My feet are falling apart, my hands are falling apart, my whole body is <laughs> disintegrating. My heart is healthy. That's, it's insanity. If you think about it for three and a half seconds, it's insane. A person doesn't compromise on a toenail. You want every part of your body to be completely vibrant and healthy. What difference does it make if it's a toenail, or if it's a brain, or if it's a heart, or if it's a liver, or it's a kidney? We don't compromise one iota. So it's, it's insanity. These distinctions, well, it's only a pinky. Why do I have to keep 100% of the mitzvah? I can cut a finger here. I'll cut an arm off here. It's not a vital organ. You can live without an arm. I, uh, but it's insanity. Who makes this whole distinction is pure insanity. God is the soul of the world. So just like the example of the human body, the soul is in total charge and control of the body. Could you imagine a body disobeying its soul? The mind tells you, brain tells you walk, and the body argues, no, I don't want to walk. There's something wrong. A healthy body doesn't even sense itself. It's completely unselfconscious. A healthy person, that's a sign of health. A person is unselfconscious. You don't even feel yourself. A body is very light. A healthy living person is very light. So when the person feels himself and senses himself, that's the first sign of illness. But when the body disobeys, <laughs> has a mind of its own, an opinion of its own, and says, well, you want this, and I, I disagree, I think I want something else. That's, that's a total collapse. The question is, how is it possible to go against the will of God? Could the body go against the soul? Did you ever see a, uh, the hand fighting, I want to move my hand, and the hand says, no, I don't want to move? It's unnatural. It makes no sense. It's a total disconnect of reality. It's like we're living in la-la land. Not only are we forgetting that God is our soul, we're forgetting that God is our very being. There's nothing else. And we're creating this, this, this totally illusory. That's why he says any sin. It's a moment of insanity. It makes no sense. But we don't have the clarity. We, sleep through, we, we sleepwalk through life. It's a total disconnect. It's, 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 it's insanity. It's like a dream. In a dream state, you can, have, you can have full of nonsense. You can dream contradictions and nonsense. And that characterizes most of, most of, most, most of our lives.
The Torah is an awakening, awakened to reality. Why is it then so difficult to get that, achieve that clarity? When you're sleeping, it's very, it's very sweet. It's very comfortable. You're under the cover. You don't want to get up. Of course, once, once you wake yourself up, a moment of reality is, is, is more pleasurable than all the dreams in the world. In your dream, you could be a senator, and you could be a billionaire, and you, but it's a dream. It's illusory. It's meaningless. And when you, one moment of reality is worth more, it's more precious. A moment that you're connected, a moment of Torah, a one mitzvah, a one selfless good deed, an act of goodness and kindness is worth more than all the billions in the world. But when you're caught up in the dream, money, power, fame, you know, status, external, superficial, ego, you get so caught up that you, you, we, we, we forget. And it's very distracting, it's very tempting. It's very dazzling. It's like, it's like junk food, it's very seductive. But that's all it is. It's junk food and junk lifestyle. There's nothing there. There's no substance. There's no reality. That's why it's called klipa, shell. But you have to wake yourself up. Even God can't do that for you. He, sometimes he gives us an alarm clock. He, <laughs> like waking the dead. You know, alarm clock. And even that we don't hear. But ideally, we should wake ourselves up. It's much more pleasant when we wake ourselves up than when God wakes us up. Let's say you think you're going to commit a sin and you don't do it. I don't mean you get credit for that, but is that as heavy an, an ideal then as compared to uh, someone threatening your life, but you keep your Judaism even if you die? Whereas in the other thing, you're just not committing adultery. Yes, that's that's that is that is the equivalent because sometimes it's more difficult to live for God than it is to die for God. You know, die is a one-time thing; it's a heroic moment. But to live on a daily basis and to make the right choices based on that truth that every time you're tempted, how does a person fulfill the 365 prohibitions? It's not when you don't have the opportunity to steal. You know, a thief that doesn't have the opportunity to steal thinks he's honest. (laughs) That's not called honesty. Honesty means when you're tempted to steal. You could get away with it and you don't. Because it says in the Torah, thou shalt not steal. Because God says it's wrong. I can get away with it. I'm hip, I'm smart, I'm clever. I can cut corners, I can do whatever I want. And lightning is not going to strike. But I'm not going to do it. No one is even going to know it. But I'm not going to do it because Hashem said no. Hashem says no is no. Period. End of discussion. No ifs, maybes, buts, what, when. You can delude yourself. Okay, so I'm sinning. Ah, Listen, who's perfect? No human being is perfect. So we all compromise a little. How interesting. When it comes to our health, no one says it. When was the last time you heard anyone say, <laughs> doctor, why should I go to a doctor? Everyone I know is sick. Everyone has his aches and pains. and Nobody knows perfect. So uh, you have to compromise in life. No, nothing in life is perfect. When was the last time you heard, you heard anyone say that? Logically, it makes sense. But yet, every human being will, will fight, will undergo the most painful procedures, will bankrupt themselves. Are you kidding? I don't compromise on one iota of my health. It's not enough my heart is healthy. I want every, every toenail of mine to be healthy. Suddenly, when it comes to our spiritual life, so, well, nobody's perfect. got to be realistic. Let's compromise here. Let's cut off an arm here. Let's cut off a leg there. Let's cut it. You can't. 
You have to be realistic. We're living in a world. To be an adult means to compromise. To be mature means to compromise. And it's insanity. If you hear what you're saying, it's pure insanity. It makes no sense. It's totally illogical. It's irrational. That's a dream state. Not in the positive sense of a dream state. It means we're sleepwalking through life. We don't make a connection. It's like, it's like a total disconnect. I want to be healthy, and yet 90% of the people, 90% of the time, actively lead unhealthy lives. It's a total disconnect. It's like, it's like a la-la land. That's how most people live their lives, a la-la land. That's the human condition. That's the challenge. It's all about waking up and waking yourself up. We have freedom of choice. God can do that for you. You have to wake yourself up. And when you wake up, smell the coffee. One moment of reality is worth more than all the delusions and all the illusions and all the... And that's when you start living. So every mitzvah is an opportunity to wake up, to connect, to be real. Live in the moment. We live in a day and age where everyone is living for the moment. 24-7, constant entertainment, 500 channels with nothing to watch. Constant distraction. Constant escapism. What is the whole essence of Judaism? The exact opposite. Live in the moment. Every moment is real. Every moment becomes an eternal moment. A moment that's connected to all previous moments. Even I'm thirsty. I have a need, a natural need. I have to drink to survive. No, no, no. Make a bracha. Realize what you're doing. Think of Hashem. Think of the miracle. You think the splitting of the sea is a miracle. The fact that there's a cup of water is a, is a more impressive miracle than the splitting of the sea, the fact that there is a water, period. And you realize, and suddenly this moment, this simple act of taking a drink of water, because naturally I need water to survive, suddenly becomes an eternal moment. An opportunity to connect to eternity. A moment that's connected to all previous moments and that moment that's connected to all future moments. The Torah teaches us every moment to live in the moment, to be real. Each and every moment, every opportunity, every season. To constantly be in the moment, be present. Instead of versus the constant distractions, constant constant vacations of reality, from reality. Constant dreamland, Disney World. The Torah says be real. So it's an opportunity. The ability to lead a real life, a genuine life, an authentic life. To be real each and every moment, grounded and connected. This is natural. This is reality. It's the dream state which is so unnatural. To be disconnected and unplugged and live in some la-la land, it's insanity. So what we call normal is hardly normal. It's pure insanity. The point is, am I connected or am I not connected? Is the body alive or the body isn't alive? Is the body healthy or the body isn't healthy? It doesn't matter. If it's a major organ or if, or, or if it's your toenail. So the distinction itself is a symptom of the insanity. To make any distinction, that alone is a sign of how disconnected we are and how insane it is that we make all these rationalizations and justifications in our mind that if you think about it, it really, it really makes no sense. So the Talmud asks, why was man created last? Man is the crown of creation. Man should have been created first. Why is man the last thing created? Friday afternoon. And the Talmud says that if a person acts appropriately, then we say the whole world was created for man. So when man was created, it's like the table is set. Everything is ready. Everything is prepared. And man enters, like the king enters last. Everything is prepared. He enters the room. Everything is ready. 
So if man lives up to his potential, man is created in the image of God, if you exercise and reveal that potential, you choose properly, wisely, then the whole world is at your fingertips. Then you, you're the king. And, and the whole world is, is, is all prepared for you. But if a person doesn't live up to his potential as Adam, meaning a reflection from above, instead he lives up to Adam, meaning earth, he acts in a very coarse in a very earthy, grubby, selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed way, then you say that the reason you created last is because even a Yiddish, even, even a mosquito was created before you. So why are you so haughty and arrogant? So what he's explaining here it means not only that man is created last sequentially, it means that they're all greater than man. They're all superior to man. That even a mosquito, which is not a kosher fly. And it's the worst of all of God's creatures. Why is it the worst of all of God's creatures? Because it's the only creature in the world that gives nothing back. Gives nothing back. It sucks blood and gives nothing back. It doesn't even excrete. At least other animals, they eat, but they give something back. You can fertilize, you can use it as, as, as fertilizers. God gives. He creates. How do you express godliness? How do we reflect God? When we also give. Imagine a taker. A person who just takes. He just uses other people and just takes. Doesn't give anything back. Kedusha, holiness, gives even to someone who doesn't even deserve to receive. Like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu opened up his tent on all four sides. And he allowed even the lowest of the low. He graciously welcomed them to his tent and fed them and taught them. So the nature of holiness is when you recognize that just like God gives us gratuitously, God doesn't know us a thing. And we sh- certainly we know we don't deserve and yet God gives us whether we deserve or we don't deserve. We had a good day, we didn't have a good day. Morally, ethically and spiritually. Yet the sun shines every day and God gives us and it ref- refreshes us. We wake up in the morning refreshed. It gives us back our soul refreshed, whether we are worthy or not worthy. So God is so good and kind to us, even if we're not worthy, and He doesn't owe us anything. So we, in turn, have to emulate God. We have to become godly and give to others, even those who are very far and very distant, and be kind and compassionate, considerate. That's the nature of holiness. Versus the mosquito gives nothing. Not even to those who are close. <laughs> there are people so stingy, they don't even help those who are close. They don't help people who are far away from them. They don't even help those who are close to them. So that's the ultimate characteristic of evil, of selfishness, of self-centeredness, of self-absorption. When a person thinks that everything I have, I deserve. Why should I give the other person? It's a free country. He can go and earn his own money. Why should I share? Versus holiness. God doesn't owe me a thing. I know that person is more worthy than I am. Why, why was I blessed? Why was I fortunate? Why did God smile at me? So I have to, in turn, also share the, my wealth, my bounty, and whatever form it takes. A person could be wealthy in spirit. A person could be wealthy in knowledge. A person could be wealthy with experience. Whatever form it takes, ideas to share and to give, and, and not just to take, but to give. That's the characteristic of holiness. And the holier a person is, the more giving they are. The closer a person is to God, the more giving they are. The more distant a person is from God and from godliness and from holiness, 
the more selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, the more they take and the less they give. So much so until you have the mosquito that gives nothing. Takes everything and gives nothing. Zilch. Zero. The Talmud says that a, an animal is afraid of even a child, a living being. Even a lion, when they see a living being, a baby, there's a certain fear. While a dead king, even a mouse is not afraid. When the person is dead, they're not afraid. When a person is alive, there's a fear that God placed in animals. God only gave permission to animals to be predatory on other animals. So when a person acts like an animal and behaves like an animal and just follows every urge and every instinct, then he looks at you like another animal. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a spear, so then you're a prey. Then the predatory animal will, could and will attack him. But if, however, your whole life is all about being connected with God, being one with God, and unifying God by fulfilling all the 613 mitzvahs, then the animal is afraid of you. And they have a sense. They have a sense. They have a sense of presence. And they're afraid. They won't, they won't start up with you. Like he's going to bring the example of Daniel in the lion's den. They were hungry. They were starving. And they threw them at Daniel. By nature, they should have devoured him. But they sensed, they looked at his face, and they sensed there's holiness in his eye, in his face, and they sensed that God doesn't want them to devour them. So, notwithstanding their nature, they were afraid to touch him. And they didn't touch him. And they went hungry. He's a holy person. He lived a holy life. Therefore, they, notwithstanding their nature, their wild nature, they refrained from harming him. They were not given permission to start up with, with man created image of God. They're only allowed to devour one of them, their own. So when a person behaves like an animal, lives like an animal, then the image of God on the forehead is distorted. They can't see it. It's erased or it's hidden. It's covered up. So to them, you're just another animal. So you're game. You fear game. A person who lives, who lives a righteous life, internally, privately, between him and Hashem, the animal can sense it. The animal, you can't deceive the animals. <laughs> the animals know the truth. If you're living a godly life, they're afraid of you. They won't start off with you. So even an animal, even the worst animal, even the most predatory animal, which is the antithesis of holiness and godliness, would not dare violate God's will. God says in the Torah, God told the animals in the Torah that you're only allowed to eat each other, but not, not, a, not a human being. The fear of a human being will be in you. And to them, that's, that's inviolate. They can't trespass that. They can't transgress it. God said, and that's the way it is. And that's natural. How can you go against the will of God? Your creator, who creates you, who sustains you. It's impossible. How can you go against the will of God? Even the mosquito can't go against the will of God. As miserable as a creature as he is, he can't go against the will of God. And here we go ahead and we go against the will of God. And we're violating, trespassing a minor mitzvah, a major mitzvah, what difference? A biblical mitzvah, a rabbinic mitzvah, what difference does it make? So this is the worst form of idolatry. And not only is it the worst form of idolatry, in a, in a spiritual level, we are in a lower level. We're the lowest. That's why we created the last. It's one extreme or the other. There's no neutral ground when it comes to a human being. Either you're creating the image of God and you're superior to the angel, or... The other extreme, you're worse than the most wildest predatory animal and you're worse than the mosquito. Now, of 
course, we're human. And inevitably, we fail and we stumble. And there are moments of crimes of passion. And there are moments of insanity. But as long as you acknowledge it's a moment of insanity, don't try to rationalize. Don't try to sanctify the compromise. Don't try to excuse and change the rules because you want to appease your own conscience. That's dishonest. It's intellectually dishonest. And it cuts off even the possibility of finding your way back. If a person is hard as healthy and his organs are sick and he'll delude himself and he'll say, everything is fine, then you don't even have a chance to regain your health. Because <laughs> you're so distorted you're so deluded that you don't even realize what's going on. But if you're honest with yourself and you realize that when it comes to our health, we refuse to compromise even one iota. We want to be 100%. And the same is true with our spiritual health. Not 99.9%. 100%. Because the truth is that we are 100% connected. And therefore, you want to live up to that. You want to live it. And... Uh, the more you learn, the more you're aware, it's something you look forward to, you eagerly look forward to. It's not a burden. It's not a nebuch. Oi, I have to do this and I have to do that. You don't feel, it's not an obligation, a burden. It's something you joyously you want to do. It's life. You want to be alive. You want to be real. You want to, you want to wake up. You want to be connected. And we keep on growing. It's very difficult for anyone to be 100%. But you keep on growing. It's something that's real. It's organic. Anything else that's organic is alive. You grow. You don't limit yourself. You don't, it's not satisfied. This is enough for me. I don't want to do more. But like anything else that's truly alive, it grows. It flourishes. It's constant growth. It's fruitful. It's, it's, it's constant growth, constant movement and change. So as long as we're honest, and as long as we're aware, the more we are aware, the more we can celebrate and cherish it, and the richer, it enriches our life, and enhances our life, and amplifies all the good things that are going on inside of us. The more connected we are, the more plugged in we are. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're plugging in. It's like a charger, a battery recharge. Every time you give tzedakah, it's a battery recharge. Every time you pray, you're connecting with God. Your batteries are being recharged. And when you, f- you look at it that way, then you look forward to it. You feel, you feel recharged, you feel energized. You feel rejuvenated, pun intended. You feel, you feel connected and uh, alive. You feel alive and vibrant. And your life has meaning and purpose and you feel alive. I guess we continue to grow. It's like throwing kerosene on the flame. The more, the more, it doesn't satisfy. The more, the more kerosene, it just it keeps on, the flame keeps on growing. The appetite keeps on growing. The more mitzvot you do, mitzvot are very addictive. And there's no cure for this addiction. There's no mitzvah anonymous. <laughs> Every mitzvah you do, the more connected you are, the more alive you feel. It touches you in such a deep place, it just whets your appetite. Now I want to do two mitzvot. You do two, and you want to do four. You study a, a, a half hour of, of Torah, suddenly you want to study an hour of Torah. It, it's never ending. From the greatest to the smallest, it, it's never ending. It's infinite. God is infinite. Goodness is infinite. The neshama emerges. And then you see it. It's palpable. And you can tap into it. All that wealth, all that richness is there to be used, not to be remain stored and treasured behind locked doors. The more you appreciate it, you can tap into all that riches. And suddenly your life is, it's a beautiful, beautiful life. And it's a real life. 
Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky.